Well, good evening, and welcome to our Christmas Eve service here at Grace. I'm Pastor Ryan. Tonight's service is taking a theme from our Advent candle on peace and looking at a passage of Scripture that will help us uncover the true meaning of Christmas. We will be challenged to recall the true reason as to why we celebrate this season and how receiving peace is the only solution to the temptations of avoiding God or replacing God or lying to ourselves about our need for God. Thanks for listening. I'm not very good at golf. I'd like to think I am kind of good, but I'm really not very good at golf. This isn't a very seasonal uh, appropriate illustration, by the way, talking about golf, but it's all I could think of because I remember uh, being a young man golfing with my dad and without giving enough attention to it, I would routinely slice the ball out into the woods. He, he would get so frustrated with me because I think I lost more golf balls uh, than I could you know, ever purchased for the game. And it's partly because I didn't take it too seriously. But one thing dad would say is, hey, Ryan, it's okay. Because invariably I'd get frustrated. And if anyone is like me golfing, it can be a frustrating sport. He would say, take a mulligan. Do you guys know what a mulligan is? It's a do-over. Oh, it's beautiful to have a do-over, right? Forget that lost ball. You can have another shot at it. Oh, if only life were that simple. If only in life. You could have mulligans in the same way that a game of golf. You could just scratch the score back, erase what was done incorrectly, and try again. Unfortunately, the world that we live in is one where our mistakes somehow, they stay with us. Our fears somehow, they, they haunt us. There was, i recalling one time in college, I had said something about somebody that I probably shouldn't have, and they, they heard about it. Now, I know you've never done this. I know this is only something that I've uh, had to live with. Uh, but I didn't, mean, I didn't mean to cause uh, hurt in, in, in the person that I, I spoke against. And you know what? Here's the problem with our words. It's like toothpaste. Do you know what I mean by that? Have you ever seen toothpaste come out of the tube? It comes out okay, right? Have you ever tried to get it to go back in? You can't get it back in once it's come out. And our words are kind of similar to that. Once we've said what we've said, they're there. And once the hurt has been accomplished, it's done. feels like it doesn't leave you. I remember just trying to do everything I could to make it right, but the relationship was marred. It was changed. And I couldn't take a mulligan. It was like a face tattoo. Uh, hopefully nobody in here has a face tattoo, but you know, maybe at one point you thought it was a good idea. It seemed smart, but then it's, it's there with you all along and you feel like it's the only thing people see. It's too bad there isn't a reset button in life for when we make mistakes. And the worst part of all is that we're left to live with the guilt to know of the relationships that have been strained. This is man's condition before God. This is your condition before God. We were all in Adam, in there in the garden. We were all there. As sin entered into the creation, it has marred you and I before the presence of God. And it has stuck with us. A guilt that no matter your best efforts of trying, you can't erase. There's no amount of sponging that can take it away. In fact, God's word tells us this. There is no peace for the wicked 
says the Lord. And anybody here tonight who says, well, I, I'm not wicked. Well, let me just tell you, the Bible says, he who says he is without sin deceives himself. And we all know better. And you know better. Without God, without God, there can be no peace. This is an interesting word, peace. The Greek word is irene, and it means tranquility. Isn't that a beautiful word, just tranquility? It means harmony. It means assurance. That's what it means to have peace. I can remember one time uh, in seminary, I, I was working on a, a paper, and I had been working on this paper. It was one of these project papers that was due at the end of the semester. And for three days straight, all my spare time, I poured into it. Except I forgot to click the save button. Can you imagine? And one day coming back to my desk there, I saw the computer off. The screen was off. I, I didn't know why. But all the clicking in the world would not bring back that document. Do you think I had tranquility in that moment? No. There, there was no harmony there was no assurance because I had, I had written the paper, leaving it all to chance. Instead of making sure that I had irene, instead of making sure that I had peace, there was no tranquility. In the, in the Old Testament, the word for peace is the word shalom. It's a word that means wholeness, completeness, or contentment to have shalom. Uh, the, the illustration that I thought of for this is uh, an engine. Uh, if you start an engine cold, you know, uh, come on mechanics, you know what you need to do, right? You have to first prime it and choke it, right? You've you got to flip the choke lever over. And there, if you're, you're pulling it, once it gets started, uh, it, it will have enough fuel there to, to kick itself over. But if you leave it choked, do you know what the engine starts to do? I was starting my, uh, my dad's snow... Uh, snowblower uh, the other day and, and had it choked. And, and there I, I walked away because I needed to move something. And the further away I got from the engine, the more it started to go. And, and pretty soon, if I ran back to it, if I didn't get there in time, she was going to shut down. No, no completeness, no wholeness, no shalom. In our world where people do not have peace, they tend to have one of three responses. The first thing that people do when they know that there is no contentment is they tend to avoid God. There is, for every one of us, just a God-shaped void in our hearts in this world. And without having God as the answer for it, you will come up with one of these, first being to avoid God. If I, if, if, I, if I just tune it out, if I, if I just walked away, I'll forget about it. There the snowblower choking itself because it can't run. Sure, one thing I could do is just walk away. Out of sight, out of mind, right? These are the folks that, well, for church, for them, it's filled with too many judgy Christians. Or the service is too long, or it's too far away. I'll do anything just to avoid because I know there's no peace in my life and I don't want to deal with that. And so their answer is to avoid. If they don't avoid, the second thing they'll do is they'll try to replace God with something else in their life. These are the people who fill their lives up with stuff. And you'll hear this from them most often. I'm too busy. Too busy. And boy, we live in a world where it's easy to be too busy. 
They've placated their souls with materialism, buying more, and for even some people, avoidance of God that leads to a replacement is done with substances. And they find that there's a dulling of the senses so that peace and that rattling sound of the snowblower has been drowned out by replacing it with something else. Now, if you don't avoid God and if you don't replace God, the only other thing that I found people do in this world is they lie. They lie to themselves. These are the people who say, well, there really is no God. You know, this, this sense of emptiness that I feel, the, the peace that I know is missing between me and my creator, it's really just make-believe. Because there is really no God. This is only something people make up, and they fill their hearts with skepticism. And blame it on the human condition. Well... I want you to know tonight, Christmas is about finding peace with God. And I'm certain on some level, you could identify a relationship in your life that's strained. Here's what I want you to know. Unless you have peace with God, there's no way you can have peace with those around you. And don't think for a moment that it's just easy for Christians. Can I get an amen, Christians? It's not, it's not easy. Everybody works through this. But there's no way that you can offer to something you can offer to somebody something that you yourself have not received from God. That's what Christmas is about. Christmas is about God giving you peace, giving you tranquility, giving you wholeness, completeness, and shalom. I could honestly ask individual after individual after individual to come up here and give witness to the fact that their story of their lives was once headed in a direction where there was no peace. And yes, I was trying to avoid God or replace God or lie to myself about God until he captured my heart and changed me. I know I could fill all of our time with those testimonies, but we're just going to do one tonight. We're going to do the testimony from the Apostle Paul. I'm going to read a passage of Scripture that's generally not a Christmas passage. If you have your Bibles, I would like to invite you just very briefly to turn to the book of 1 Timothy. We will look at the purpose of Christmas. 1 Timothy, in chapter 1, Paul is writing a letter here to one of his main protégés. Timothy working to complete the... Uh, the work that Paul started in helping the church to become established, it receives this letter from Paul, and Paul recounts here in the first chapter part of his own story. And so it's his witness that I'd like us to give our attention to this evening. 1 Timothy chapter 1. 1689. Page 1689 in the Pew Bibles, if you're, if you're looking. 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 15, Paul says this. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I'm the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on him and receive eternal life. 
You'll see as it starts here, verse 15, the very first thing he says is, uh, this is a trustworthy message. Paul uh, actually has a few of these statements. You can look through his letters. And only a handful of times does he begin one of his sentences with that phrase, this is trustworthy. You can take this to the bank. Jesus Christ came into the world. Do you know what that day is called? Come on, the day that Jesus Christ came into the world is called Christmas. Now, why did he come? What is the purpose of Christmas? Oh, it's, it's about presents, right? That's what, right? That's what, no. Oh, it's all about family. Christmas is all about family. I'm going I'm to ruin some of your Christmases tonight preaching this, right? It's a getting off of work. That's what it is. It's about a, about a chance for me to take a, kick my feet up. That's what Christmas is about. Here you have it, verse 15. Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I'm the, I'm the worst. The purpose of Christmas was to send Jesus to save sinners. That is it. Don't you need to be reminded of that today? Don't we need to hear once more that God does not love you because you're so awesome, but that you could not reach him. You could not make it on your own. And his love for sinners caused him to send his son. That is what Christmas is all about. Jesus himself tells us these words, Mark chapter 2. He says, on hearing this, Jesus said to them, It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but to call sinners. Now, the apostle Paul knew this. He knew this through and through. In fact, Paul's profession, mainly he was a Pharisee. Part of, part of the ruling elders within Jerusalem, within Judaism, he was one who carried the law and, and knew that all those who sought to be righteous in God looked to him. That his life was a kind of beacon as to how you just need to work hard. You just need to obey and God will be proud of you. And then there was this, this rebel that showed up. And you know what? Yeah, the chief priests and the Pharisees, we had him crucified. And we got done with him. Then we heard that he rose from the dead. And his followers started to spread and started to spread and started to spread. So do you know what Paul did before his name was Paul? He would hunt these guys down. They would meet in homes and they would meet in secret because they knew. They heard of this man named Saul. And he, when he came knocking, he would arrest the little newborn Christians. Newborn meaning not children uh, physically, but babes in their faith. And he would have them, he would have them murdered. The Apostle Paul, before he was called Paul, was a murderer of Christians. He says here in verse 15, Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. Oh, pastor, you don't know me, though. You don't know the life I've had. Let me ask you, have you murdered any Christians? I'm kind of glad I didn't see any hands go up. <laughs> well, then you're doing better than the Apostle Paul. And check this out. God is able to extend peace and mercy to Paul. That means he can do it for you as well. The witness here of the Apostle Paul is one. He says, for this reason, it was shown mercy 
So that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example to those who would believe and receive eternal life. And so with with these two little verses on Christmas Eve, it has for us decidedly spoken, there are only two kinds of people here tonight. Those who have believed, received, they are saved, and they are being saved. I'm in that category. My faith is in Jesus Christ alone. Christmas for me is about remembering and welcoming my Savior to come and die on behalf of my sins when I was helpless, when I was unable. And sometimes life's not easy. I still struggle. I still have a hard time. And that's why I'm not only saved, I'm still being saved. And I have peace with God. And when he looks upon me, he doesn't see a sinner. He sees his son. And maybe that's the category that you are in as well. But there's one more category of people here, and it's those who are not saved. The good news of Christmas time is that God has come to offer you peace. It's good news because it comes in the context of some bad news. Here's the bad news. There is a computer crash coming in your future. I struggle sometimes with hospital visits because it's too often, even one time would be too often, to run into somebody who they're at the end of their life has have realized that they didn't live their life for God. It's a hard thing to see. There's a measure of regret that's in their eyes. You could be saved. You could have peace with God. The computer crash, it's coming and you don't know when. You don't know the day that it'll come. Why not click that save button? Why not make sure that all your future is secure, is guaranteed? Do you know what the word is you'll have for that? It starts with a P. It's called peace. And you can have assurance and confidence that you're not left to your own, but that you are seen wrapped in Jesus Christ. And so, just to make sure that I'm clear, Christmas is not about a holiday. That would be avoiding God. Christmas is not about family, even though family is a beautiful, cursory blessing that we get from Christmas. That's not what it's about. That would be replacing the true meaning of Christmas. Christmas is not all about reindeer. I was very specific to use the word reindeer there for some parents, if you kind of see what I'm, where I'm going with that. That would be a lie. And there are many in our world who are content to believe those lies, to avoid God or to replace God. No, the purpose of Christmas was to send Jesus to save sinners. I pray that you would know peace. I pray that you would find tonight, again, a moment to have honest reflection. Have I clicked the save button in my life? Do I know Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior? Or am I still playing the game of replacing, avoiding, and lying to myself? Will you pray with me?